This is the Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, May 30th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, the glucagon-like peptide 1 analog semaglutide reduces alcohol drinking and modulates central GABA neurotransmission, is in JCI Insight. Evidence suggests that glucagon-like peptide 1, or the GLP-1, system may be involved in the neurobiology of addiction. The authors of this study examined the impact of semaglutide, a long-acting GLP-1 analog, on alcohol use in mice and rat models, and found a decrease in binge-like alcohol drinking in both samples. The proposed mechanism for this effect is modulation of central GABA neurotransmission, which supports the idea that the GLP-1 system is a potential key pharmacotherapeutic target for alcohol use disorder. Next is the study titled Change in Opioid and Buprenorphine Prescribers and Prescriptions by Specialty 2016-2021 in Drug and Alcohol Dependence. This study obtained data from a national database, including 92% of retail prescriptions in the United States. The authors analyzed data on opioid analgesic and buprenorphine prescriptions during the period 2016 to 2021. During that period, the number of opioid analgesic prescriptions decreased by 32%, while the number of buprenorphine prescriptions increased by 36%. The number of prescribers of opioid analgesics decreased by 7%, whereas the number of buprenorphine prescribers increased by 86%. Despite increases in training programs, addiction specialists wrote only 3% of buprenorphine prescriptions. Primary care clinicians and advanced practice practitioners accounted for 37% and 35%, respectively, of buprenorphine prescriptions. A new study in the Journal of Addiction Medicine is titled Effects of Abstinence from Opioids on Neurophysiological Performance in Men with Opioid Use Disorder. This study measured neuropsychological performance of 50 male patients with opioid use disorder during their first eight weeks of abstinence. The test measured executive function, attention and concentration, verbal memory, and nonverbal memory. At two weeks, improvement was seen in attention, concentration, verbal, and nonverbal memory. However, executive function did not show significant improvement until eight weeks of abstinence. Worse scores on certain tests at baseline were associated with duration of opioid use, severity of dependence, and frequency of use. The authors suggest that future studies include female patients and have a longer period of follow-up. Next, we have a study in Drug and Alcohol Dependence Report titled Examining the Relationship of Concurrent Obesity and Tobacco Use Disorder on the Development of Substance Use Disorders in Psychiatric Conditions. In this study, the authors examined the associations between obesity, tobacco use disorder, substance use disorder, and psychiatric illness. Persons with obesity were associated with lower odds of substance use disorder than persons without tobacco use disorder or obesity, and persons with tobacco use disorder and obesity had lower odds than those with tobacco use disorder alone. While additional research is needed to examine the relationship between obesity and substance use disorder, the authors note that both conditions may share similar neurobiological pathways and hypothesize that they may have a competitive relationship for rewards. A new study in Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs is titled Patient-Concerned Other Dyads 12-Step Involvement in Patient Substance Use. This study aimed to inform clinical practice by identifying subgroups of patient-concerned other dyads. 
Patients with alcohol use disorders were characterized on alcohol anonymous involvement in substance use together with concerned others as alcohol anonymous's involvement. Predictors and recovery maintenance outcomes of subgroup membership were examined. Among patients treated for alcohol use disorder, alcohol anonymous involvement was related to better outcomes and to concerned others lessened concern about the patient's drinking. Concerned others' alcohol anonymous involvement was associated with having a more positive view of their relationship with the patient. The next article in Journal of Addiction Medicine is titled Fentanyl Absorption, Distribution, Metabolism, and Excretion, Narrative Review and Clinical Significance Related to Illicitly Manufactured Fentanyl. This narrative review highlights research gaps due to differences in medical fentanyl studies and illicitly manufactured fentanyl use patterns, including that medicinal fentanyl studies are largely conducted with persons who were opioid-naive, anesthetized, or had severe chronic pain while illicitly manufactured fentanyl use is characterized by supertherapeutic doses and frequent and sustained administration patterns, as well as adulteration with other substances and or fentanyl analogs. In persons who use drugs, peripheral accumulation of fentanyl may be leading to prolonged exposure. Our next article, titled Buprenorphine versus Methadone for the Treatment of Opioid Dependence, is in The Lancet Psychiatry. This systematic review and meta-analysis compared buprenorphine versus methadone across a wide range of primary and secondary outcomes. Primary outcomes included retention in treatment up to 24 months, treatment adherence, or other prescribed and illicit opioid use. Secondary outcomes included use of other substances, withdrawal, craving, criminal activity, overdose, mental and physical health, and more. The review found that treatment retention was better for methadone versus buprenorphine, but there was no difference in adherence to treatment between these two forms of medication. Our final article, titled Changing Approaches to Treating Opioid Withdrawal in the United States, is in The Lancet Psychiatry. In this commentary, the authors address the poor responsiveness to the treatment of opioid withdrawal in emergency departments, noting that without a change in approach, deaths will continue to mount. The authors list ways to reduce opioid deaths and emphasize that continued stigma, criminalization, and social and health inequities are factors that require attention. They conclude that appropriate management of opioid use disorder puts the human rights and dignity of people who use drugs up front, helping in establishing compassionate therapeutic relationships with patients and improving outcomes. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ACM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and acm.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.